Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Through thick and thin, Gary, me and you, the Pirates, everything. We're going to have some tough conversations today, but they'll be good ones. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's where I want to start, brother. Um, one of the questions I keep getting the most is, how do you pay attention to this all the time? Why are you watching this? Aren't you sick of seeing this? I don't know how to explain it to people. Maybe we should take a crack at explaining why we keep paying attention to it because we could say it's for this show, but let's be honest. Plenty of people are doing podcasts without actually watching this crap, right? You know, (laughs) they're just obviously you hear, you hear what they have to say. They're not watching. So they're just complaining about like what's going on and, and, you know, and I get it and just following whatever is happening on Twitter and yelling about it along with everybody else. I guess, man, I watch it because for one thing, I I really and truly knew what I was watching this year. And even when they were doing well, I, I kept feeling like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you and I were both really hesitant to, to like camp on to it. You know, the, the, the closest we would get was you can call it real. The 20 and eight is very real, you know, mm-hmm. and they've given themselves an opportunity, whether they take it or not is a whole other thing. So, I mean, I just watch it because I like baseball and I watch baseball and I, I enjoy and find team building fascinating. So to me, that's, this is what I like to do. Yeah. I, I mean, like you have to, you have to be able to, Look, everyone, I think, has ups and downs with the Pirates, like no matter what level you follow them at, uh, whether it's just casually or, you know, kind of like we do. Um, there's going to be times where you get frustrated, you get disgusted. I, I this last week, was in a frustrated mode about them. Um, but the bottom line is, like you said, I mean, if you enjoy watching baseball, hey, it is our team. And they are going through a, um, you know, a process right now that is finally getting to the point where you might see some results from it. Things haven't gone the way they should have or that we wanted them to this year. But you have to enjoy that aspect of it. And I think a lot of people want to fast forward past that, which is fine. Like, Sure. This is this this isn't for everybody, you know. I think there's an awful lot of Penguins fans that skipped the X generation, and I think there's an awful lot of Steelers fans that probably only vaguely remember Bubby Brister because it weren't worth watching, you yeah. know. Um, or that Mark Malone era, where did that take off? You know, there's a lot of uh, bad sports in town, and I. And I'm not saying you're you're better than anybody if you watch it or or don't. 
but you can tell when people aren't paying as much attention as as they were because the comments just get sillier and sillier you know and and less and less informed and 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 you can also see that the narrative gets driven by the the flyby media in you know especially sports talk radio where they come up with stories about Cabrian Hayes wanting out of town and you know and yeah. Jim I don't know about you man but I felt like that was crap right away I didn't even have to look into it right I did but I didn't have to and then ultimately Jason Mackey really went all in on it and and found out like yeah no that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not really true but we've had interactions with the Hayeses I'm sure Charlie ain't happy. I also don't give a crap. I don't think Charlie's happy about a lot of things, to be honest with you. Uh, 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 you know, uh, like you said, we've had some interactions with, with some of the family, the, the brother and, and the dad. And um, I mean, they're, they're a curious bunch. Key Brian seems like he's cut from a different cloth than them. Um, but you know, when Dunlap says things like that, it just, to me, it shows like the standard of the talk radio side of things. Yeah. And then like the journalism side of things. And then they, they get in this real weird gray area where people don't really fully understand that. Like there's a, there's a much different threshold about saying things and you can kind of just say whatever you want. And there's no ramifications for it. There is. And then when they republish it under their flag of Odyssey and they write report, Mm -hmm. you write report. Guess what you're calling it? You're calling it factual journalism. Yeah. In some, in some with founded with some basis to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It better be factual journalism then. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And 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 it wasn't just it wasn't just Charlie Hayes is upset. It was specifically Charlie Hayes is upset and Cabrian is not happy, right? Yep, that's exactly so, what was said. Yeah. So I've seen some backtracking on that. I just think that we we all really need to just understand that it's frustrating for us to watch these teams. Don't expect that these radio clowns are watching they're not like i heard today uh literally you know veteran veteran reporter journalist real journalist ron cook used to be anyway now whatever he is he's a columnist in the radio that's yeah that's it but i heard him today henry davis looks like a guy that doesn't have a position i don't think he can play in the field what are you talking about he made a couple of errors. The kid just like walked out to right field for the first time, like what six weeks ago. Yeah. Shut the hell up. That 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 is. Those are people like literally just. It's 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 a slow sports time, and you got to have something to talk about. So you start venturing into areas that you don't. You quite honestly don't know what you're talking about, and. We see it time and time again here, Gary, too. Like anytime the pirates are decent, they start jumping into the conversation. But anytime they're really bad, 
they also want to jump in the conversation and just start making things up if they have to. Sure. And revisiting things that were pain points three years ago and making them fresh pain points now. I just think that we should all be smart enough individuals to have caught onto the game by now. That's all. I mean, I do a Q&A every week on my website, my little website. I'm not trying to compare myself to the behemoth that is 93.7 The Fan. You can say what you want. They have a much bigger following than I do. But I, I got 25, 30, like, really, really intelligent questions just from asking people. Right. People know what they're talking about, and they want to talk about real things. The problem is you have to be at least involved in it and understand your subject matter if you're going to speak about it. Well, it's the thing we always run into, which will be that someone will still carry this six months from now. You yep. know, that they'll keep repeating this and repeating it and repeating it. Whether there was any factual basis to it from the beginning, it becomes somewhat factual. Just like O'Neill Cruz has killed somebody in a drunken driving accident. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. It never goes away once it's out. So you won't reach that same audience with your retraction that you whisper over the air at two in the morning. Nope. And that's the thing too. Like you just, you said it, you mentioned it already. We know who the usual suspects are, the culprits that do this kind of stuff. I mean, at least wait till somebody reputable says something after. Right, right. Yeah, like, well, that's what you should really be doing with anything. Like, you know, oh, okay, unless it's somebody you just really, really, really trust and respect. Otherwise, man, just take a second and wait for something else to come out. See what is being said. See what the follow-up is. And we just don't live in that day and age anymore. Well, and loud, of- And loud gets attention. It sure does. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Cabrian, except, you know, let's talk about him as an actual baseball player instead of, you know, a supposedly disgruntled person. Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live Fox scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. We're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and Gary with you. I'm going to get to some of these questions that are flowing in. A lot of you are putting some good ones in. But before I do, Jim and I have a pre-planned topic, and we like to kick, stick to some kind of a format on this show. We're kind of semi-professional anyway, so, Jim. So, sometimes. Right. So let's let's do it. Brian Hayes um, wanting out of town, I think, was a 
silly, silly rumor, but Jared Triolo has played really, really well since getting called up. Um, there's some evidence that maybe um, what he's doing isn't sustainable. His strikeout rate's a little high. His BABIP's not great. Bottom line, he's playing good defense. And for a rookie, he's holding his own. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's had some pretty important hits, I would say. Right. You know, along the way here. Um, regardless of whether you think it's going to stay this way or whatever, I I don't, I don't think anybody should be pretending they know that answer. What do you do with Jared Triolo um, when Ryan Hayes comes back, which it sounds like is not going to be during this road trip. Sounds like they're trying to be extra careful with this back. Sounds like he's very frustrated with the back. Um, and I think that's the right move right now, quite honestly. Like, just as a side note, like, there's no reason to, like, push the envelope here. Uh, if his back's not right, it's not right. And playing, sure, the hell not going to help that. So. I, I get that. But what do you do with Chirello when he does come back? Because. I think he can play a lot of different places. I also don't yeah. think that I also don't think that you're going to just toss him around all over the place like a rag doll right away. I think they're going to want to find a place where he can kind of go and try uh, you know a couple times here and there. Maybe they part of their plan with Hayes is to give him more rest, you know, maybe he only plays 2 days in a row or something for a while, mm-hmm. something along those lines. This year, what they do with Jared is different than what I could see them doing in the future. So I guess what I'm saying is, even though I don't believe Hayes asked for a trade, do you think that's possible at some point? Do you think that that's a way that that they may want to look to go? You know, I think even it was either last week or the week before that I kind of I maybe even got ahead of myself. I don't want to chastise people for doing it online when I did it on the show, which was like, okay, you know, what What if? What if he holds his own with the bat enough to where it makes a Cabrian Hayes trade at least a something that crosses your mind? Um I think maybe I did get a little bit ahead of our, myself and maybe we are now. It, if I like what they're being able to do with him right now. He's able to just play third, you know, and, and concentrate on that. I think ultimately what I see Jared Triolo being, Gary, for me, is that perfect guy that can play multiple positions, fill in at you know, third, fill in at second, um, give you a competent pinch hit, um, maybe play a couple other positions because he's got the glove to do it and just leave him in that role. I, I would love to see that long term. I would. I mean, we he's off to a good start, but l- like, let's let's be honest. I mean. He's hitting singles. And hit and has had some key hits. He's never been a guy that's shown any power uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, I think he's slugging right now three forty, 
something like that. So it's just uh, what I what I d- absolutely see from him is like the perfect guy to have on your roster, and I think he absolutely deserves to stay. By the way, I, I do. I I've seen enough to say that like he's a he's a competent major leaguer in a lot of different roles. I, mean, I think he's a, a guy that you can bounce around all over the place. Like one of the questions we got here is from Randy Wagner. How do we get Jared Triello in the everyday lineup? Well, I mean, he is now. I think when Hayes comes back, that's probably going to be more of a question. And, and I think the best way to do it is to think of him more like Josh Harrison. I think he'll bounce around. I think he's going to, he's going to play just about everywhere. And after this year, I think you could probably see him working his way into even the first base mix a little bit. Um, I've seen him play center field. You would like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not just an infielder. Catcher and pitcher. And Uh I I think he's going to find more than enough work doing that. And, uh, Jim, I think you're totally right. He's a singles hitter. I think a lot of people see how big he is. In fact, I've even seen some fans comp him as Chris Bryant. He's not Chris Bryant. No. going to hit like that. Um, He's never going to be that kind of power hitter. He just doesn't have that kind of swing. And if you tried to make him have that kind of swing, it would ruin everything else that he does. And I think it's okay to have a guy that just gets on base. You know, like I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And he's pretty fast when he does too. He's not, he's not some statue hitting singles. This isn't Colin Moran slapping balls the other way. This is Jared Triolo. He gets on base. He can do something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you gotta look at in the totality of things with him. This is a guy that has been in professional baseball for six years and has 27 home runs. I mean, he's just not going to be that. He's 25, by the way. Like, he's not 21 or 22, and you could project some more power into things. So I just look at it like he's a super valuable piece and takes up a lot of different spots on a roster and one guy. And, like, like that is something that yeah. I see his value in, and I think it's there. But I'm not trying to get him in the lineup every day um, and turn him into an everyday player. Not in today's baseball game. I think I am until you show me eight other guys hitting better. Well, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm just saying I'm happy to have him in there until there's other guys pushing him out. Totally fair. But but I think I can see that being a long time from now. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and he has to consist. He has to prove that he can do it consistently. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I want people to temper their expectations about what you're seeing with the bat because he's off to a good start. It's been a tiny bit fortuitous. I'm not trying to take yeah. it away. F- I'm not taking anything away from him. He's had some really good at bats. I'm just saying, like, look at the big picture with him, and and. There's just there's a ceiling there offensively that, that it's just there defensively, yeah. man. I, you know, hey, he's always going to have some value. He's always going to. Hey, well, this was the plan, Jim. We're going to bounce through topics today. So here's okay. another one. Ryan Little 
says that's if Cruz returns anytime soon. Now that he was commenting to another person that was talking about uh, Triolo potentially playing shortstop, which he could. Um, I think that we need to just kind of really look at the calendar and understand where O'Neill Cruz really is. He's not even fielding balls standing up. I don't think that we're looking at a guy that's coming back in August. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's right now. What July 20th. That's not happening. And everything he does is going to be a progression. Like it's going to be okay. Today you're taking light ground balls and not throwing tomorrow. You're going to move for ground balls and you're still not going to throw the third day. You're going to maybe throw, and then we'll try to incorporate both of them together on day four. Then we're going to try to jog. Then we're going to long toss. Then we're going to start swinging off a tee. Then we're going to start seeing right. if we can hit live bullpen. It, you're slowly ramping things yeah. up. And then, then you have you to know they're time to see how he responds. Because, you know, five months not seeing live pitching isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So to me... This is starting to smell, and, and really, realistically, Jim, maybe it probably should have all along. Starting to smell to me like more of a uh, mid-September to maybe a feel-good couple weeks at the end of the season type situation. It could easily turn into that. I will take whatever I can get if it's two weeks, if it's three weeks, if he somehow is back in four weeks. And gets that last month in. I think yeah. it's cru- I think it's crucial. I think it's a good thing just to get him back on the field. If you now, that's at the caveat that he's a hundred percent healthy. If he's not, then don't play him. I mean, there's right. no reason to. But if he's ready, yeah, I want to get him back out there and get him a little taste again before we go clear into another off season, clear into spring training. I mean, like that's a long time to not see major league pitching in a real game. Yeah, and I just think it's a lot to expect. Um, I also think he's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be compared to Ellie De La Cruz immediately, and uh, I don't know. Ellie De La Cruz has been playing baseball almost nonstop for sixteen months now, right? You know, um, including the summer leagues and everything that in the fall leagues that he's done. Um, O'Neill Cruz is gonna, I think, look pretty rusty. That's a lot of moving parts to get back in order. It that really is. is. A lot of mechanical things in his swing that look so effortless that make it look so effortless. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's going to take a minute for him. Um, I wouldn't expect miracles from him this year anyway. Next year, I think, okay, let's just come back healthy, big fella, and do what you got to do. Now, interestingly enough, as we sit here and talk about it, you know, um, it's funny because we've got Pagero up now. Yep. And that that's part of the shortstop equation, obviously. So um, we have to see how that plays out. And he's somebody we can really get, I hope get a good look at here these next couple months. Like I wouldn't be trying to, I wouldn't be trying to force Triolo in at shortstop when we have someone else that I'd really love to see an extended look at. I think that, uh, again, Piguero has not done with the bat 
anywhere near what Trello has done. So no, for me, it's more like when the but time comes, signs. when the time comes and you have to get Hayes back up here or whatever. I'm keeping the guy in the lineup who's been hitting the baseball. I'm not, I'm fi- I'm not finding room for him because he's less important than Piguero. He's earned it. Like if he's hitting like that, then to me, he plays like, I think right now, you know, we, we've mocked meritocracy this whole time because first of all, you and I knew there's an awful lot beyond meritocracy that's going on. But when you get to this point, when you've got pretty much an entire group of children up here, now it really does become that, you know, Castro goes down because he is not hitting, right? He's still a kid. He could come back up. And if he merits it, he he merits it. Triolo, he's hitting. I don't, I'm not taking I, him out because I expect Piguero to be better. Like no, I, I look at it though. Like if it, if shortstop was a position that Triolo, I, I feel like that's a position that's not exactly his, you know, bag. I don't know how else you want to say it. He could I, play. I it. honestly have no idea where you formed that opinion. He he. I'm saying as far as like. He's much more to me a natural third baseman. Like putting him at shortstop day to day in the major leagues, I think that you take something away from him. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying, like, I see him much more as a third baseman. Would I rather take the the guy that's younger and has the ceiling and let him get the longer look? I would. I still think you can find at bats for Triolo other places. So we've got, uh, let's see. I'd like to see Piguero packaged in a trade <laughs> for a good starting pitcher. What has Piguero done besides be rated highly in the Pirates system and protected on the 40-man for two years to think that he's going to bring you back a quality starting pitcher? I, I mean, I'm not asking you in particular, Cody who asked the question I'm saying in general, this is what you must think when you're talking about dealing these prospects. The only reason you consider him to be a chip is because for some reason, baseball America and MLB and the pirates have decided he's a number six prospect in their system. That that's it. (laughs) That's it. And his numbers don't back that up. I'm sorry. They don't. His skills do. His tolls do, but his numbers don't. Just like Swaggerty was a top 30 prospect and just got DFA'd. Like, it and, doesn't and, matter. And on top of it, too, like, it's hard. Like, pitching is hard to just go out and get. Like, and he said package. So I don't know if he, I don't know what he means by the package part of that. Um, Probably just dropping some other player in there with them. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, so maybe I, I don't know. Like, l- let me hear a package. But you're also talking about teams that value pitching too. So yeah. like, you're not just going to go out and pluck somebody that. I don't think you're going to get what you think you're going to get in that scenario. Is what I'm trying to say. 
I think it's really tough because you're look first of all, like at the trade deadline, a team like the Pirates and a team like the White Sox, for instance, they're both out of it, right? Let's just be real. They're both out of it. Um, how often do they become trade partners at the trade deadline? Not too often, <laughs> right? Now, well. the Pirates are in a weird situation because, okay, they are coming out of a rebuild despite the record. Just go with it. They are coming out of a rebuild. They do have all these prospects up here. They probably do have a few too many in a couple spots. Um, a few unproven too many, mind you, but a few too many. If you go to the White Sox and you're like, hey, give me that uh, Dylan Cease fella. You know, he looks good. Well, they're going to want something for him, and they're going to want prospects. They're not going to want Leo Pergero. They might take him like as like a fourth guy or something, mm-hmm. but I really mean like he's a fourth guy. Yeah, he's not the headliner. Of yeah. The deal. You're talking like they're going to ask for things like Termar Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even Quinn Priester. You might see Jared Jones. They're going to want something top tier you got. And if you're going to take an MLB pitcher, which is what I assume you mean by a good starting pitcher, you're going to take an MLB pitcher, you're going to pay. And I mean, you're going to pay with recognized nationally top prospects. That's okay. If you think it's time and you think it's the right guy, that's okay. But you better not need that guy too next year. I will even say that that extends to highly touted pitching prospects in people's organizations. Like if, if there's a guy that you love out there, that's in double a, that is a really good pitching prospect for somebody that, that, that doesn't come cheap either. Like they're already viewing that guy as a piece. Like Ryan Little here is asking with, with Priester being caught up and, and not counting Skeens, who's our best starting pitcher prospect? Is it Jones? Um, closest is Jones. Best, I think, is Solomedo. But they, they've got some good ones. They really do. They're just not particularly close. Yeah, Although I, I think uh, Solomedo will be next year right up there with Jones and probably Priester fighting for a spot. I'm a little part more partial to Jones. Um, I've had to um, come around more on Solomedo, and I, quite frankly, he's forced me to do that because he's performed, um, and he's a little further away. Um, there's still some, there's still some um, mileage that has to occur there for me to see how that looks maybe next year at this point. I think Jones is really close, right? This at this point, eh, I th- I think his stuff will play up here. Um, I don't think he has uh, everything ironed out yet. No, I, I think he'll probably do better immediately than Quinn Priester. I agree with that, but I also don't think he's anywhere near as polished as Quinn Priester. If that makes any sense at all. Like, 
I, I wrote this the other day about Quinn Priester before, before that game. And I think it, it held up pretty well. I said, he's very polished. He knows what his pitches are doing. He knows where to put them. He knows what they'll do and when they'll do it. And he can hit most of his spots. He's pretty good. And he doesn't have the kind of stuff where he can just get it past a guy, you know, right. 92, 93 in this league means you are, you know, Kyle Hendricks. I mean, you're, you might as well be rich. Hill. you, you're going to have to out Fox guys all the time. Now to his credit, he's got five good pitches. He really does. He knows what, what they do again, but you you don't just beat a guy with a 93 mile an hour fastball because you have to because you got to a 3-2 count. That's not going to happen. You got to have the intestinal fortitude to hit the corner with your curveball because that's the way you have to pitch at this level. That's going to take Quinn a while. Yeah, like he's going to have to be a location guy with his with his stuff. He's not going to be able to get away with having naturally better stuff in a better fastball and sometimes just I mean look at look at some of the guys we've talked about even at the at the level you can make up for a lot of mistakes if you're high 90s with movement even if you don't hit your spots well that's not Quinn he's not going to yeah. be able to do that and so he's really going to have to rely on a a, pit, a pitch mix and location in the day, in the days that he nights that he's not doing that, you could see him running into trouble. And he's yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to sell him short because you know he is still relatively young. Like, I think we should not forget that he was drafted out of high school. So it's not like it's not like right. this kid's twenty nine years old and you know he's about to experience a downturn. But I can honestly say the organization has tried to help him with velocity. I just don't believe it's in there. I think this is what he is. So that being the case, I, I think you can probably look at a guy that caps out at like a middle of your rotation type guy or your back of your rotation type guy. To be blunt with you, JT Brubaker has better stuff. You should, uh, you should actually be more excited about JT Brubaker than him if they were side by side in the system right now. I'm just saying you are going to get some hate mail for that one. I'm going to get some hate mail, but bluntly he's got a better pitch mix than this, but you can look at like a Zach Davies type career unless he really, really, really becomes a tactician. Yeah. And that's what he's going to have to do. And so look, for, like we said, first start 22. I mean, th th there's plenty of development that's still going to have to occur. Um, he did some good things the other night and then it got away from him. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think we were pretty, I was, I was a little worried that this was a little too soon for him, but it, it, it's fine. He's getting a taste. He's going to see what he has to do. We'll see how he responds to it too. Sure. I mean, again, I'm not trying to cast doom on him. And I'm certainly not judging him off one outing. I've watched this kid for a couple of years. This is just what I've thought for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. whenever we talk, 
uh, you you know he's not one of the ones I mentioned is like woohoo. Right. You know, I I I do think that he's got a major league career in him, and I do think it is going to be as a starter because I don't think his stuff plays in the bullpen. I think he that's why I go to like a Zach Davies type guy or a four or five type guy in a rotation. World needs those too. All over the league, teams right. don't have those. So it's not as though he's not valuable. Or you shouldn't be excited at all. But I'm more about those flamethrowers like Jones and 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 I think uh Solomedo with he's added a lot of velocity this year too. On top of that, the Septon with it with that with that way he throws. My my goodness. He yeah. he's freaky the watching him throw baseball. But yep. <clears throat> could be a lot of fun. I still don't think they have enough. And these injuries didn't help because Mike Burroughs was right there, man. Yeah, I think like because that's now kind of old news, people are tending to already forget about it. That one really hurt. That one really hurt, Gary, because I think we would already be talking about him and seeing what it looked like. And um, he was very, he was very, very, very close, if not ready. Yeah, and just bad timing. But that's There's what happened. An awful lot of pronouncing Ortiz and Contreras dead too. I'm not sure that we should be doing that yet either. That those guys could very well factor back in here and probably should. Um, we've said before Ortiz, I think, is closer to to that happening. But Contreras shouldn't be like considered just given up on quite yet. No, um, no. They're both they're both still twenty two and twenty three or twenty three and twenty four, like you know uh, mechanically they've gotten really off and I don't know how that happens to the point where you're not trying to put a stop to it before it as it's happening. That that's probably a question topic for another day, but you know um, you can't write either one of those guys off. I would not. No, but the Pirates sure are keen on writing people off recently. So let's take another quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about a couple guys that just got unceremoniously dismissed. back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and Gary with you. It's time to talk about the Pirates making some some moves that kind of caught some people by surprise a little bit. Um, Travis Swaggerty on the IL, DFA'd off the 40 man because of rules. He had to be released if he cleared waivers because when you do, when you DFA somebody who's on the IL by rule, you have to release them. You can't outright them. So as soon as he was DFA in this rare situation, we knew he was gone. Will Crow was on a rehab assignment and seemed to have recaptured some of his velocity that was missing. He's got it up around 94, 95 and they turn around and DFA him as well. 
Um, I guess I, I have more questions about the Will Crow release <laughs> than I do the um, Swaggerty one because Jim, let's year and a half ago, you and I were talking about the possibility of Travis Swaggerty being released. Yeah. And as nice as he is, and as bad as I feel for his family situation and health and everything and all the unfairness that's taken place in his baseball career and all that, at some point, the opportunities you were given, you just didn't do it. This is a guy that just never could get it going with the bat. Not enough to make an impact and not enough to climb his way out of AAA. Yeah, it was a series of unfortunate events. I don't know how else to say it, whether it's on the field and not producing and performing like you needed to. And then him having the health issues, his wife having health issues. Sometimes you just run out of time. And I think. I'm right with you, man. Like, isn't it funny how the swaggerty thing, I just, I saw it kind of coming. I did not see the Will Crow thing coming. And that's not saying that I think Will Crow is like, you know, I don't know what he is because the last time we saw him, he looked like a, a cadaver out on the baseball field, weekend at Bernie's type pitching. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I thought, like, I was looking at the same thing you were as far as his numbers and his velocity. I'm thinking, oh, well, they'll at least, like, they still could use some. They're struggling in the bullpen. Right. Like, yeah. And maybe they can recapture something he did in 2022 or, you know, 2021 or whatever. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, just, yeah, I, I I, you got to was- say when he makes decisions, he just makes them. And and right here we got a guy that was Travis Swaggerty, and the first thing I saw was Ben continuing to clear out uh, Neil's guys, and then two seconds later I see this about Will Crow, and I'm like, uh, still going with that? Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. that we traded Josh Bell for literally nothing at this point. If I mean I I've all but given up on Eddie Ian at this point. So I, I think that that's a pretty much Josh Bell for nothing. It pretty much ended up being. Yeah. And I thought that, um, I thought that could have been a little bit more proactive with trading Josh Bell than when they did it. And then maybe that, or yeah, trading Josh Bell, I think they could have done it a little sooner. Um, but they didn't, and that's what they got for him. And th- sometimes you're going to have to live and die by it, and they, they died by that one. I don't know, man. It's just, it's frustrating, like, on one hand, because there's yet another number one pick from that entire stretch of time that just never came to fruition. You, you look at this team and you know, a lot of the problems that are out there, right? The financials, the the owner, the GMs have been stupid here and there. The development's not great. You know, the market's too small. Major League Baseball screwed up as far as the finances go. There's a lot of issues, right? But 
chief among them and, and not discussed often enough is just how often over the years they have swung and missed on first round picks. It's brutal. And I mean, to the point where they don't even make the league. So to already have three of Ben's here, I've already feel better. Yeah. I mean, you've got it. You, you, I think I just, I retweeted something today where it said like half of all first rounders end up making the majors, but look at the ones that have made it for the pirates. Would they even have made it in another organization? Like, I mean, does Cole Tucker make it? Does Travis Swaggerty Hmm. even get those nine at bats? You know, the, you know, I obviously Kevin Newman's the last one from, Huntington that really well Cabrian Hayes. Yeah. I guess you gotta cons- you gotta consider him. But that's about it. It's Kevin bad. Newman to Brian Hayes. It, got- it, it, if your if your whole thing is gonna be on we've got to get our core from within and you can't even hit on the on the percentages in the first round that you might get someone productive, man, you're screwed. Are you not? I mean, like yeah. you're screwed and they're still digging out of that. So Jim, let's do your poll question, man. You, you had a good response to it and I think it kind of went at the way you expected. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little surprised it was dead on 50, 50 when you get, I think it was or close to 350 votes, but um, it was just pretty simple. I, and I, and I, left it a little simplified because it, it's too hard to cover what everyone's going to read into something. Right. Sure. Like, so I just left it as quite simply. Yeah. At the time fan graphs had said, uh, this was, let's see last, this is four days ago. Fan graphs had the pirates projected second half win total of 33 games. That would leave them with a 74 and 88 final record for the season. Is that enough progress for you heading into next year? And we had 322 votes and it was dead even 50-50. And I thought that that was pretty pretty um, indicative of the Pirates in general. Just completely split, completely fractured. It's funny because... 74 and 88 is exactly what I predicted preseason. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. So I thought it was funny, like that all everything that's played out is played out. And here we are, you know, cause obviously I expected O'Neill Cruz to be part of this. Obviously I expected a lot of different things that, that have not taken place, but somehow that's where the record is right now. Um, at the time when I, when I predicted that I, I said, I thought that was a, a measurable improvement, I would be happy with it. It's hard to justify that with that start. And that's exactly how I was going to answer this question until I just very recently stumbled across what the Tampa Bay Rays have done since their hotter than fire start. They're 33 and 33 in their last 60 some games. Well, I I didn't know that specifically but i knew the orioles had overtaken them so clearly something has happened 
I think that happened. I I do believe that this does happen to some baseball teams. I I I think you get riding high and everything just goes right, and it just feels like nothing you do goes wrong, and then all of a sudden nothing you do goes right. And I feel like the Rays are are kind of stumbling a little bit right now, and. Uh, <laughs> I was watching it and, it and it made me think about the pirates because they've really fallen off the table in comparison to that. I remember when they, when they hit the 20 and eight mark, you and I were talking and we both were basically like the real key takeaway here is they could play as bad as 500 and still do well here this year. That's what the Rays have done. <laughs> They're still right, playing right. 500. So their record still looks incredible. Right. So, and I'm not, I'm certainly not comparing these two teams. So don't take it that way. I'm just saying at one point, these were the two hottest teams in baseball and they have been anything but since. I wonder why that is. I wonder what happened. It, it, it just, it doesn't seem like the Rays had the, the same injury bug that the Pirates had, really. No, the division probably caught up with them a little bit. Yeah, such a tough division. Um, and, you know, oh, it's just you're talking 162 games, Gary. So, like, I just truly think that, like, there are going to be stretches where you might and maybe a little bit of a long stretch like they're doing where they will play 500 ball. But at the end of the day, all you're really trying to do is win like six out of every 10 games, you know, to get yeah. to like uh, to get to that record that gets you into the playoffs so like they're still in that mix i think it's unforgivable for the pirates to be what are they now is it 12 games under 500 something like that whatever it is to go from 12 above to 12 games under at this point 74 and 88 i will still accept if it gets much worse than that I don't, I, 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 I'm not okay with that. Like, I just don't think in year four, you can be knocking down 96, 97 wins and be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore, or 96, 96, 97 losses. Excuse me. I just, it's funny. Cause I just saw somebody uh, put up today, like Baltimore's perfectly lined up and perfectly gone through and perfectly done and rebuild. Right. They're in year six of it, right? In year four, they lost 110 games. Yeah. I, all I'm saying is you don't really know where this thing is going until you know where it's going. I'll also say Baltimore has what looks to be an awful lot more talent in their system than the Pirates managed to wrangle in their downtime. Right. So my God, you can compare anything you like. I just, (laughs) I I just think that a lot of people are making a big fuss about this year four thing. It year four was always going to be this though. I just don't think they were going to ever go as fast as some people wanted them to. What a four or five year rebuild may not be acceptable to you, but it was very much so their plan. So every it it's funny. Everything I've had 
way back when we started this and even before, my biggest thing was I didn't think you had to do the rebuild in this fashion, that, that, that there were many ways to do it. But you're right. This is the path that they chose. It was going to be the slow and steady building back up of things. That was yeah. always my criticism was that I felt that there were other ways to do it instead of just that one, which also happened to be the longest and the cheapest and blah, blah, blah. And, no, and I, I've always, I've always agreed with you there. There, yeah. there are multiple ways to do it. I've always said all along, just because I accept it and I know what right. they're doing and I'm following it. It just it, is. It's what they're it, doing. Yeah. It's not as though I'm going like, Oh, woohoo. My team is going to suck for four years. But I knew it was going to happen, and I know why it's going to happen, and I know that in year four, which is what I'm watching right now, I'm going to be watching it with some of those kids. Right. And And that's what I wanted to see. And that's where I'm at. So I guess all the way back to what we started with, dude, this is what I watch. (laughs) Now, Now, and what I will say, too, is like, probably right around when we did start this, I started worrying about the impact players, the impact guys. Cause we mentioned about what you look at when you see like other teams with some of their highly touted guys. And I'm like, Hmm, why doesn't that look exactly like some of the highly touted guys we're supposed to have? I'm still really concerned about that Gary. I, you know, um, We'll see how that plays out. That's where that's where my antennas are up. I wonder about is there enough impact guys that that'd be my biggest concern. And guys, you mean you you mean hitters, pitchers, anything, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I th- I think they have some. Um, I, don't get me wrong; most of them are up here. Like most of the ones that you're going to see this year are here. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's much more to call up. Um. You might see like, you know, a Colin Selby or, you know, if they, if they trade pretty much everybody on their team, you could see Anduhar back up here. You could see, you know, like a CSN get another shot or something along those lines. But, and we, you know, maybe we'll talk trade deadline next week, man. I just don't have it in me this week. <laughs> like you and I, we were, we, we were starting to plan off the show. We were like, Hey, let's talk about trade deadline. And then we were both like, yeah, but then we'd have to talk trade deadline. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. And to be honest, they've only got a couple guys that they're going to move. Let's just, for this week, let me just say, Bednar is not getting traded. Uh, Hayes isn't getting traded. Brian Reynolds, for the first time in quite some time, isn't getting traded, even though some of you freakishly already want him to be. And uh, Keller's not getting traded. I think that should be enough for you, right? Yeah. Like, let's just kind of go from, from there. Let's move forward. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, – I just don't think there's going to be much going on for the Pirates. Uh, at the trade deadline, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, but we'll see. We're 10 days, 11 days out from when things have to occur. But I just don't see there being a lot of pieces that are all that – a either attractive or 
B aren't <laughs> worth something to them right now. I think this deadline we're starting to see already. Um, the increased the uh, the the expanded playoffs are really changing some things, and and baseball has become watered down. There's not enough talent to go around anymore. So, which is why expansion is crazy, which is a whole other episode we'll talk about. But there's not enough pitching for 30 teams right now. There just is not. There's not 30 teams worth of good pitching, period. Um, that leaves you with some pretty crappy baseball. And it leaves you with a lot of mediocre teams that think they have some kind of a claim to a wild card. That's going to cause a lot of tight sphincters, both for buyers and sellers. I just don't see there being an awful lot. Yeah. You're going to move some guys. Like, you're going to move Rich Hill, probably. I wouldn't. I think they need the innings from him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. It's for but, that very reason, but, they, but prob- they will if they can. Again, I'll say what I've said about him in the past. If you, if you can get a Quintana-type return for him, do it. But he's not performing like Quintana was, so don't expect it. Yeah. Um, a couple other things I wanted to hit on. I'm not an insider, but I do know some things. So I'm going to, I'm going to just mention a few of them. Um, we've been, we've been railing on Andy Haynes a lot here. I'm only stopping because I'm bored. (laughs) I mean, there isn't anything left to say. He will not survive after this season. I cannot, I can't fathom them bringing him back next year. And I'm finally hearing tangible um, things from from players that that there's some there's some uncomfortable situations going on with the hitting coach right now. Um, and off the record, of course, a couple players have asked for personal coaches and/or people that are close to them to potentially help them a little bit. When they start letting things like that happen, I think you can all remember what happened with Eckstein, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and there's I, always- I, think, I think him surviving the season is in question, and I, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I think there's always, too, just kind of a breaking point when it comes to guys. And once guys start tuning you out, uh, you ain't coming back from that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be hot takey here, but and I'm not saying tune out. That's probably strong, but he's not helping. Is felt by at least a couple. Now, Randy Wagner asked a question that I absolutely love. I wish somebody would ask me this in my Q and A because I would have written half a column on it. How does a batting coach screw up the hitters? I don't know. He doesn't, Randy. He doesn't screw up the hitters. He doesn't help them. That's what a bad hitting coach does. He doesn't help them. Brian Reynolds is a guy in particular. Brian Reynolds is patient to a fault. Brian Reynolds is trusting of his own eye, and he believes that the umpires will agree with him. He's being preached to that patience is a virtue and swinging is not. 
He has robbed himself of power by crouching too much and spreading his legs too far apart at the plate. It's the same thing he did in 2020. Anybody that's watched his career can see that his stance is exactly the same as it was in 2020. And he's fallen back into bad habits. He needs help. You need somebody to remind him. You need somebody to show him. You need somebody to help him and somebody that he's willing to listen to. Yeah. And we talked about um, briefly, just real quick about the mechanics on the uh, pitching side of things. Mm Mm-hmm. So what you need, man, like you need, like you said, you summed that perfectly. It's not, it's not about just magically fixing hitters. It's about like fine tuning and seeing like where there are some things that you might've gotten out of whack with that. Hey, Hey, you know what I saw? I don't even know if you realize this. Take a look at this with me. Do you see what you're doing here? This is something last year you were not doing. And now, you know, identifying things. It's not, they're not, they're not magicians, but they are supposed to be helping you. They help you. They don't hurt you and don't, and don't leave you to the flounder when you are really struggling. At some point, there's too much of that going on. It's all, Gary, I've got some numbers. We never got to today. I'll just post it. I'll just do it on Twitter. Um, about Haynes and the offense and um, kind of where things are at. Even though I don't think it's a magic fix, because I think they might have to change some things organizationally about their philosophy. Yeah. They're, they're indefensible numbers now for like three years and nothing has gotten better since he took over. And yeah. at that point, what, what would you be defending at, at that point? Well, that's, that's an important thing I, I think here, Jim, you know, cause the Shelton extension came out there kind of out of nowhere at the beginning of the season. A lot of people uh, jumped right on thinking that it had something to do with that hot start, but not, I mean, that was in the works before it, um, in fact, they probably agreed to it before it got announced. Like, or I wouldn't even be surprised if really they didn't plan on telling anybody and some smart reporter kind of just figured it out. Yeah, or they just um, figured, hey, this is a great time to to do it yeah. because but that it had been planned. But then they were just like, yeah, we'll confirm it, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know how long it is, we don't know how much it is. But we do know that Bob Nutting has done the right thing. You can argue he did it with pressure. Uh, in 2019, I think he did. I think he probably got pressured into it and changed his mind. But he paid $17 million to get rid of people. You know, he it's not like it was free to fire Hurdle, Charrington, and, or not Charrington, Huntington, and, uh, and, uh, Coonley. That cost money and he did it. Um, so I really don't care how long Derek Shelton's been extended for or whatever. And Jim, if ultimately you're right about this really being his philosophy and the hitting coaches are just a, an endless parade of scapegoats. Well, Ben Charrington needs to be smart enough to suss that out and, and fire him too. Then, you know, yeah. I mean, if Derek Shelton wants to die on that hill, do it somewhere else. 
That's the thing. I, I'm wondering, like, my fear is if they're also connected at the hip with this philosophy that no one is saying that it's not working because they're all in it. And then that that's its own set of problems. So, um, you know, we could do a whole nother show on Andy Haynes. We could, it, I don't know <laughs> that it would be worth it, but I'll just drop some numbers and, and, uh, on my Twitter account and, um, people can weigh in there. Maybe sounds we'll fair, up. brother. So sounds fair. So, Hey, any parting shots from you this week? No, uh, the only thing I would say about, um, this, these last couple months of the season, I'm going to try to not focus on the wins and losses. Cause I think it still might be a rough go of it, but we're going to get to see a lot of Andy. We're going to get to see a lot of Henry. Um, I, I think that we're going to get to see more of Quinn Priester. These are all guys that are going to have to be big pieces. So at least we're going to get to see what they look like, Gary. We've waited a long time to see some of these guys. Yeah, it's to me, seeing the kids, this is what it's all been about. Now you find out if you brought in enough with that rebuild to have your foundation. That's what you find out. You got more waves coming, but you need to be good before those waves get here. Right. So I think... That's what I'm looking for this year. I want to see improvement. I want to see gelling. I want to see someone step up and be the leader. I want, and it's going to have to be one of these kids. Andy is a loud mouth. He is. <laughs> and he'll bounce off the walls in that locker room. Henry, I think has that kind of persona. I would love to see one of these guys step up and be that vocal leader. They may very well need some of these veterans to go in order to feel like they can use their outdoor voice inside. Let's see. You know, I I see Henry very much as like a Kenny Pickett type um, in that regard about how he kind of carries himself. But he doesn't wear gloves, Jim. So. Ah, <laughs> that was good, Gary. No, but I, I, I like, but I, I like, I want to see him. I'd be totally fine with him kind of being someone that leads that charge. Yeah. Hey, so that's all I got before I toss it off to Ben. I just want to uh, throw something out to uh, my wife's cousin, um, Mara and Jonathan. Uh, they just lost their baby uh, two days before the due date. And uh, it's obviously devastating for the family and everything. But uh, this too shall pass. Hug your kids extra tight tonight, everybody. Because uh, I keep calling mine all the time and I'm probably driving them nuts now after I heard about this. So um, that's all I got. Let's go, Bucks, everybody. Let's go, Bucks! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.